Welcome back to a Cardinals Off Day London edition. The Cardinals are on their way to London, already arrived in London. I guess I don't know that I know where they are at this exact moment, but my good friend Ben Humphrey and I are here with a Cardinals Off Day podcast. Ben, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm uh, pretty pleased that uh, I ultimately decided not to try and go to London because uh, I would not have wanted to pay like hundreds, probably over a thousand dollars to see this team play uh, in another country. I, I believe they're called pounds, Ben. Well, it, it would probably be like uh, half that in pounds uh, with the way the exchange rates typically are. But yes, it's a... Uh, um, it's it's more expensive there, which means the bill is higher. Uh, you know, it's their currency tends to do well, though with Brexit, I think it's taken a hit. And then also, you know, it's just an island, so they have to bring almost everything there. So everything is more expensive. Yes, 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 indeed, yes, indeed. Um, so uh, this is going to be a little bit of a, a slightly different episode today um, with the the Cardinals and the Cubs. Uh, rivalry um, going across the pond. We thought we would focus on the Cardinals and the Cubs today. Um, and uh, so uh, that's where we're, uh, that's where we're going to keep things focused just to kind of give you uh, uh, you know, it's frankly, it's always fun to talk about the Cardinals and the Cubs rivalry anyway, and that's what we're all getting ready for here. So that is where we're, uh, we're going to keep our focus. So Ben, first off, um, let's just kind of talk about this rivalry and you know the state of where it is um you know obviously we all grew up um well i won't say we all but you know you and i grew up um you know in this kind of long period of uh you know the cardinals being a relevant team and of course the cubs being the lovable losers and then uh you know the the cubs once the Ricketts ownership came in and Theo Epstein came in, they went through this 2012 to 2014, um, you know, intentional period of, of losing and tanking um, to restock the team. And then, of course, in 2016, the unthinkable happened and they won the World Series and then were competitive for several years. But that's not really the case anymore. So as we sit here today, what are your thoughts? I mean, what what is the state of the the Cardinals and the Cubs rivalry right now? Uh, it's it's probably close uh, to when we were young, but not really young. Where you know, like in the '90s, the the two franchises didn't have a lot, uh, a heck of a lot going for them to, to the extent that they have, you know, in the two thousands for the Cardinals in 2010, you know, the mid 2010s or 20 teens, is that what we're calling it now? I don't, I don't really know, but yeah. uh, for the Cubs and it's, they're, they're both pretty middling. Um, but it's interesting because I, I feel like they are more similar than ever as we sit here today. I feel like, you know, the Cubs had that resurgence uh, there in the uh, late, uh, mid to late 2000s, you know, where, where they won a couple division titles, they lost uh, in the postseason. And 
um, and they were kind of in the 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 cycle of going for it and then selling off and then trying to restructure, and uh, and that was kind of the traditional baseball model. And while they were doing that, you know, and then the Ricketts bottom and kind of you know they tanked and they started the new kind of trend, right? Like that new cycle trend. Yeah. Um, but throughout all of that, you know, pretty much uh, the Cardinals under the wallet ball have been in competitive mode and they've tried to field competitive teams and they have. And, you know, and so uh, what we have now, though, is the Cubs didn't go like full tank, right? They're still kind of on the upswing and are not good, but not really competitive. Um, and the Cardinals just won a division title and they're trying to be competitive, but they're like on the downswing and not good. And both of them are like spending money and trying to win, but not being successful at it. And it's, it's all kind of puzzling because I, I don't think many people would have predicted the Pirates and Reds to be better than the Cubs and Cardinals, even this year, uh, you know, uh, with the way the the four organizations were going about things uh, this last offseason coming into the 2023 season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, the, the Cardinals have certainly been much more consistent in any number of ways, but um, competitively, and we've talked about this, and, and the Cardinals very directly talk about this, their model is compete every year, right? And compete for the playoffs every year. Um, the, the Cubs were one of the earliest teams to very directly say we're tanking <laughs> and yes, to, and to tank and, and it worked and they won that World Series. And, and as we all remember, though, there was all this talk that like it, it was not just going to be that World Series, it was going to create this dynasty right and and there was reason to believe that because the the cubs uh have you know theoretically could have the uh the budget to um you know sustain um after doing that but it just didn't materialize you know those those tanking years and, and really what made it work was they hit the jackpot on each of those very high draft picks and those were the guys who were the anchors of that, uh, you know, of that World Series team. But really, the rest of the kind of everything else in that organization was not really that impressive. You know, the, the rest of their kind of player analysis and whatnot, you know, wasn't necessarily great. Yeah, you know, I mean, they made some good acquisitions, etc. But really, everything else they did was fairly middling. So, I mean, I kind of look back at that Cubs team and I sort of feel like, and, and, and you know, honestly, the way that people, you know, kind of rave about Theo Epstein, I kind of feel like, I don't know, if you gave just about anybody those draft picks that they hit on, it feels like, yeah, you, you win that World Series, you know. Um, and, and they, and, and nothing materialized from it. And, and so then of course, by, uh, you know, 2020 Epstein steps down and then in 2021, the sell-off starts and Rizzo's gone and Baez is gone and just on and on, of course, to the point that now Wilson Contreras is on the Cardinals. Right. Um, and yeah, it's gotten into a weird point since then, you know, Jed Hoyer who stepped in never fully came out and said, we're doing the tank again, right? That was never like articulated. And I don't think it was ever 
the ownership's intention in the way that it was so clearly the first time ever. And, you know, they went into this whole weird thing where, you know, they were, they were building their little Wrigleyville and they were buying Chelsea in the premier league. And I think their ownership was just kind of all over the place too. So I don't think they had a real clear plan either, but as you said, Ben, it feels like maybe the Cubs are, coming to a little bit more of a point of clarity right now. I, I read there was a great article that in The Athletic came out last October called What Happened to the Cubs Way Inside the New Rebuild at Wrigley Field that really kind of gave a state of affairs as of the end of last season and really made it sound like after a lot of disarray, things are kind of starting to come together. They're starting to have some, you know, kind of player development that's pieced together. The, you know, player development, the analytics are kind of starting to come together. Um, after firing a lot of the front office staff, uh, downsizing a few years ago, that's kind of being rebuilt. So it feels like they're maybe kind of coming back online and starting to be, uh, you know, a, a functional kind of organization again. Uh, right at the point where it feels like the Cardinals are kind of slipping into dysfunction <laughs> a little bit. So, you know, the Cubs may be rising a little bit right at the point that the Cardinals are are, are sinking a little bit. Yeah, and... It's uh, it's also interesting to me because, you know, there's the, the Cubs had all of those layoffs like during COVID mm -hmm. and and they the, that seemed to get a lot more coverage um, th than what some of the front office structuring and hiring practices that the Cardinals uh, engage in get in terms of coverage. And I think part of it is kind of the way that that front office has been built, had been built up and, and was kind of lauded where, you know, like Theo Epstein is a genius and Jed Hoyer is his right hand man and those types of things. And, you know, they, they were really credited with, you know, and, and understandably so, right? Like Theo Epstein, Steen broke the curse of the Bambino and the the curse of the Billy Goat, right? Like that. Those are you know that's like that's like tall tale stuff, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and then the Cardinals, you know, they have had all the success over Mosaic, but it it just seems like people tend to praise Dewitt and don't seem to really credit Mosaic to the extent that they they did with the the Cubs during this resurrection uh, of the franchise and it it what's interesting to me is you know like for this season you know the Cardinals and Cubs you know on Fangraphs entering the season they were projected to be like 14th the Cubs 14th and the Cardinals I think 15th in payroll and you know within like five million of each other uh in terms of projected payroll and you know that's based on various models and you can really only do that in hindsight and see what a team spent you know because you have trade yeah. deadline you have you yeah. know that type of thing um but it's really interesting because this idea of the dynasty i felt was really based on the idea that they're going to be you know the dodgers of the midwest or the Red Sox are the Yankees of the Midwest because they have all these revenue streams. They have yeah. all these people coming in. They're going to be winning. They're going to be a destination. Yeah. And that was just not at all 
what the route that ownership uh, chose. They 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 seemed to look at the various business models, and it seems to me, Ben, that yeah. they liked the build to wit business model the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, their ownership certainly did, and and but on the GM side too, like I I don't know. I feel like Theo Epstein gets a little um, overly maybe praised for the work that he did, uh, frankly, in both places. I mean, I, I, when I look at the Cubs again, and I know I said this a minute ago, you know, he, he tanked, he got extremely high draft picks and he hit on those high draft picks. I really don't see a lot else that they did there. You know, he's not an Andrew Friedman, right? He did not build a analytics department that just consistently found value up and down the draft and went out and acquired, you know, the garbage from other organizations and brought it in, you know, and then, you know, he's, he's not out there finding, you know, Max Muncy's and, you know, these kind of guys and, and just turning them into, you know, that, that's not something the Cubs, um, you know, have, have ever done. Um, you know, and really when you look at them now, you know, even in this post Epstein era and in this kind of tanking era, and yeah, even with the taking into account that, yeah, ownership kind of decided, yeah, we want to build out our Wrigleyville. So, okay, let's we'll set that aside. They didn't put money into free agency, right? Well, they were still in a rebuild, right? They haven't been good these last few years. They've had relatively high draft picks. You know, MLB pipeline coming into this season had the Cardinals as the ninth best farm system, the Cubs as the 12th best farm system. Their top three prospects in the MLB uh, pipeline, um, uh, Pete Crow, Armstrong, Cade Horton, and, and Kevin Alcantara are at double A and then two at high A. I mean, where where is the talent that they're, <laughs> you know, there's just... It, for for being in at least a soft rebuild these last few years, you're just not seeing much, you know, really materializing out of that. No, you're not. There's not the and and we live, you know, in a in a Cubs minor league town, so we we tend to hear the rumblings, and there were a whole lot of rumblings about, you know, ten about seven to ten years ago. You know, it was. Contreras, it was Rizzo, it was Bryant, it was uh, Baez, um, and uh, Schwarber. You know, there's there's right. just all these guys who are coming through, and and, and now we hear it's Pooch at the Park Night. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's there's a lot less buzz about the players coming through, and the that is reflected in the lists as as you just recited, and so. It, it's very interesting to me because it feels like the Cardinals, maybe to a fault, and I think this year a lot of people have decided it is to a fault, the Cardinals very much know what they're doing and how to do it, right? And mm-hmm. and when they're, when they're drafting, developing, uh, building a major league roster, it's, there's a clear blueprint. Yeah, And it's so clear and it's been in place for so long. I think a lot of people get maybe a little sick of it and this year it hasn't worked and it, it's been a failure and I, that's undeniable. Um, yeah. And that, that's but, something that we absolutely take for granted as Cardinals fans is that there is a plan. They, they a hundred percent have a plan 
and and you cannot like their plan and there are times where their plan does not work but there are so many organizations that don't have a plan <laughs> or the plan changes you exactly. know, every, every like it's it's uh you know there's or, no commitment to it like, right or, or or the front office has one plan and the on-field manager has another plan and you know on and on and on sure and i feel like just you know looking at the cubs organization uh it it feels like they don't 100% know what their plan is. Like they have an idea of wh how, what they would like to be, but I don't know if they have a firm grasp of how to successfully become it. Yeah. Well, I, I honestly think the Ricketts, and actually maybe this can segue us a little bit into our second topic, Ben, which I think we wanted to talk maybe more directly about the owners. Um, I, I don't know if the Ricketts know kind of which version of the Cubs they want to own, right? Because I know years ago, there was an actual economic study that I read that that literally found um, every single Major League Baseball team, you could track revenues uh, along with winning, right? Like um, the, the, the more the team won, the more like, like rev revenue, you know, was tied to winning. Literally, it did not happen with the Cubs. There was no connection between winning and revenue. And they, they tried a whole bunch of different things. The only thing that they found a very, very light connection was beer price. It was not really like, <laughs> like enough that they could call it meaningful, but basically there was no connection there. And, and it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a, an actual study that just kind of got at the thing that people have known for years, which was that, you know, the Cubs, it was always a social thing. It was always go out to Wrigley. That was what being a Cub fan was for, you know, frankly, generations, right? Um, the Ricketts came in, they did this tank and this push to like, no, we're actually going to be winners. We're going to be competitive. We're going to be like the other teams. And they did that, but they've kind of, and you know, then they've kind of maybe let that slide back to, well, no, actually now we're going to you know, bulldoze a bunch of the neighborhood around us and, you know, do all this other kind of build out to, you know, really lean back into the experience. Yeah, it and, and there was the I can't remember which one of the Ricketts family members when he was talking about in an interview, you know, it, it had it had now that I've watched succession, it it had some success, some succession vibes to it. Oh, it, <laughs> it, has, like. it has such heavy succession um, vibes, Ben. I actually wrote out the family tree here, which I can go through in a minute if you want. <laughs> but um, it was like he was talking about to his dad and his or his family why they should buy the Cubs. And they're like, you'll make a profit uh, even every year, even if you have a losing record or whatever, it, it was something along those lines and I'm paraphrasing and it was years ago and it was just like, like very clearly it appealed to them that, Oh, we don't even really have to spend money and we'll make money. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and that seems to reflect the reality of that study. Um, but, it, but what's interesting to me is they've, they've kind of, for my money and for my taste, they've kind of ruined Wrigley Field and ruined Wrigleyville around it. Yeah. Um, and and they've done it 
in a way to kind of give it a makeover similar to ballpark village outside of Bush stadium. Right. Um, it's, it's a very mall food court vibe now, just like what the DeWitts have created uh, there by Bush. It, the irony being that I always felt the design of ballpark village almost felt like we're going to try to create something like Wrigley around Bush, which, you know, you know, back in the day, it was like, well, you can, like have a can of beer next to a porta potty in the little concrete bunker underneath Mike Shannon's, or you can, you know, go eat at like Al Raboski's shack or like, you know, that was like, I mean, <laughs> yes. these were like your options if you wanted to drink around. I mean, in the early 2000s, I would go there and I would say, I wish I had money. Like, why is there not a sports bar around this giant attraction it, it was... that attracts millions of people? But Ben, I did not have the capital to make it happen. Bill DeWitt had the capital. Yes, he did. You, you had you had robot. You had to like walk under the interstate to Roboski's yes, fireworks, did. fireworks uh, shed slash bar, <laughs> or or you could walk down to the Hooters or Mike Shannon's. Like that was that those were the places that you could go to have a beer before the game. Some of the yeah, and, and I, know, I know I know we're leaving out some other fine establishments, folks. But um, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you're in hundred percent. That's, that's what they've kind of done up there. So I did, I tail of the taped the two families, Ben, because I do think it's worth maybe, um, talking a little bit about the Ricketts and the DeWitts and keeping in mind that we are dealing with, you know, second generation American fail sons here in both, uh, you know, in both cases, this is just really the finest of kind of American capitalism at work here. And as you said, the Ricketts family is pure, you know, pure succession. Um, you've got Joe Ricketts is the patriarch, right? Who's this Nebraska guy who uh, founded Ameritrade. That's where the like family money kind of like starts from. So the kids are Tom, Laura, Pete, and Todd. And all of those people I just mentioned are like partial owners of the Cubs, you know, in some unholy alliance, okay? Um, they also now own the uh, Chelsea football team in the uh, Premier League. They, there's some other people that participate in that ownership group as well. Okay. Pete, this is one of the kids, uh, is, you know, in Nebraska. He's a senator now and former governor of Nebraska. Todd was the uh, RNC committee finance chairman. I don't know if that's a role he still serves in, but he's, he, you know, big muckety muck also in the Republican Party. Um, Laura, I learned, is actually a Democratic fundraiser and very active in LGBTQ issues. So that's, I mean, there's got to be some just very exciting dynamics at the dinner table, I think, uh, you know, with, with all of them together. And then, of course, one of my favorite uh, things was, uh, I don't know, if, do you remember Joe's emails that surfaced back in like 2019? Oh, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, J uh, Joe the Patriarch, a, bu a bunch of the family's emails linked uh, leaked and uh uh, Joe's emails were not, uh, uh, they were super racist, I guess is what I'm trying to say, Ben. They were extremely, extremely racist. So that's the, that's that family. All right. Now the DeWitts, of course, uh, keep in mind, Bill is second generation, right? His, he's the son of William Orville DeWitt Sr., who uh, began selling soda pop at Sportsman's Park as a young boy. He is a St. Louis kid. 
uh, went on to eventually own the St. Louis Browns, and then he was also just an executive for a number of baseball teams throughout uh, his career. And of course, Bill DeWitt Jr. Um, you know, uh, owns an investment firm which uh, which owns 63 Arby's franchises. We sh- we cannot forget that. So, um, but <laughs> it's really 63. <laughs> they own 63. Uh, the the website that I looked this up on that was the number that I got. Now I didn't check the date of that, so I, I we should asterisk that for our readers because they could have bought and or sold some since then. So it's in, I think we can say it's in the neighborhood of sixty three Arby's. Um, but also you know I think the thing that we as Cardinals fans need to keep in mind with Bill Dewitt Jr. is you know Bill Dewitt Jr. is like one hundred and six years old at this point, and I have certainly noticed that Bill Dewitt the third seems to be taking on an even more prominent place here. So in in you know kind of Cardinals ownership terms, Ben, you know you know Fred Trump is gone. We don't even have Donald Trump here. We're kind of moving into the like uh, Don Jr. and Eric uh, era here potentially of Cardinals ownership. Well, there's there's somewhat of a resemblance between uh, Strong, the actor who plays Kendall Roy, and Bill DeWitt the Third, in in my opinion. Yeah, like <laughs> no, I'm. Um, you know, and, so it's and, and there's just you know there's just something when you make a copy of a copy of a copy that like the 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 quality level just it it, it goes down at a certain point. I certainly worry about that with the Cardinals because. Um, you know, uh, critical as I am of, of American, uh, you know, fail son culture, and I am, you know, Bill DeWitt Jr., I do think I can give him credit for being a successful businessman in his in his own dealings. Like, I do think that's certainly legitimate, right? Um, you know, I don't know, Bill DeWitt third. are we going to see that same level of kind of diligence you know, put into the management of the team that we saw from, you know, his his father. I think that will be a really open question if, in fact, we're kind of seeing like a transition happen there. We know that he likes the uniforms, Ben. He's all about the he, uniforms. Very into the uniforms, really likes cartoon eyes on them. Uh, big fan of that. Uh, and I, I think he's run... Uh, he's been involved with some of that commercial real estate development if no, and he, he and... certainly is he's involved in the businesses as well but i'm just saying you know we, we saw bill dewitt jr take a very active role in managing the team i'm not saying that bill dewitt the third will not be will not be but i'm saying we haven't seen it right so, yeah and, and i'm and... also and frankly look ben straight up i compared him to eric trump okay so i'm 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 shitting on him here i'm saying <laughs> i'm concerned i just think when you go down the line of some of these like family legacies it just it tends to it tends to not be like hey fourth generation this is when we're things are really hitting our stride here the person who's the, the fourth time that we have somebody who's had everything handed to him on a silver platter this is when we really get the uh <laughs> This is when we really get the great leadership skills and everything's going to go great. Well, and and that's the the interesting thing to me is the I I have long felt um and and we criticize DeWallet and DeWallet Ball cuz he I the Cardinals could spend more many years and probably should uh spend more on major league talent most years um but i i've always felt that bill dewitt jr uh 
his approach with the Cardinals is just so specific to, you know, his, his where he falls in the family history and how he came to be an MLB owner. And it's this, this more like, it's almost from like a, a bygone era where it's like, you know, the, the marquee names, but also the, the legacy names where, yeah. you know, Yadier Molina is a St. Louis Cardinal, right? Like, you know, and, and you can go through where they extend players and they want them, you know, and, and it's not like just blind Mm -hmm. uh sentimentality they have to be good they they have let players they let pools walk Mm -hmm. but um but it's this uh he and i've always been fascinated by the the indoor area uh behind home plate um the cardinals club i think it's called that has uh art that are baseball cards from his personal collection which dates back to when he was a kid and uh and it's bill dewitt juniors and there's just there's it's it feels almost like kind of the sentimentality of a kid where it's like i've got my paul goldschmidt you know what i mean i've got my nolan arenado i've got my yadier molina yeah and he kind of threads the needle between that and you can see you can also see kind of the, you know, who is a gate draw, right? Like, and kind of the old, and and the Cardinals are run that way, right? Like they make a lot of money because a lot of fans come out and their structure is much more like, hey, we need to have a winning team to get people to come here to make money, right? Like, and and it's, uh, it just feels because so much of what uh, Manfred and the owners have done and Selig did is to make it so you can make money without people coming to your ballpark mm-hmm. right like right to kind of insulate you as an owner from having to play that game and dewitt not only plays that game he embraces it and the cardinals have excelled at it during his uh ownership and i i think it's just a very interesting thing where it it just feels like such a throwback and I, it almost feels like we're going to be like skipping a generational approach to Major League Baseball ownership right. in a way. And what will Bill DeWitt the third, if if he's the chairman, if he's the principal owner and the and the face of the franchise, how, if at all, will that change? And it'll be very fascinating uh, yeah. to see. I think. It will be. It will be. But that's all speculative for now. Uh, it's still Bill DeWitt Jr. It's still the Ricketts. And uh, the Cardinals still win in that comparison, Ben. And and hopefully they're going to win in this uh, London series. Um, anything else you wanted to say about the, the state of the Cardinals versus the, the Cubs before we get to our uh, off-day recommendation? Um, well, I, I think it'll be uh, a very fun couple of games uh i i think it's a fun atmosphere you have a lot of americans abroad and then uh some europeans who who want to go check it out and i and i think it will be fun and i think it's pretty cool that the cardinals and cubs were chosen after you know like as the second 
round of this where uh, these two franchises have that type of cachet, yeah. uh, even when they're, uh, you know, maybe not at the height of their powers, they're still uh, thought of in that kind of ambassador role for major league baseball. And I think that's pretty cool. And even though the Cardinals have not been good this year, um, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the series because it is a unique event uh, and provides, uh, you know, a little variety and a little bit of spice in a season uh, that frankly needed yeah. a change of pace and, and something a little more novel uh, to, to enjoy. And I'm looking forward to it. Ben, do you have an off day recommendation for uh, things for folks to do while they are in London? Uh, the museums in London are really, really great. Um, depending on what you are into, there are, there are, there's just about any choice you could want. Uh, my favorites are the British Museum. Uh, it's got just incredible, uh, archaeological artifacts, uh, and, you could spend a whole day there if you wanted to. I, I think it's really fantastic. Uh, I also really enjoyed the Tate Modern, uh, which is a modern art museum. Uh, and uh, those are two very different types of kind of art museums, um, but I would encourage folks to check out both of them. I think they're yep. really fantastic and really enjoyable. Yeah, um, agreed. And I especially agree on the Tate Modern, big fan of that one. Um, but Ben, my recommendation um, is the the British Library. I'm a big fan of that one. Um, and uh, you don't even, um, I would say, necessarily have to spend a lot of time there. But there is a room there that's essentially like the treasures room of the, of the British Library that's got original um, Shakespeare folios. It's got um, um, Dickens writings. It's got handwritten Beatles lyrics. It's got these like illuminated texts from the Middle Ages and early maps. I mean, if you're a, like a, a geek for that kind of text like I am, it's it's really amazing and so to me honestly i would go to the british library over the british museum um as amazing as the british museum is not arguing that but just um as a lover of text that i am just seeing those uh, amazing original texts that they have at the british library i absolutely love and it's a little less visited than some of those others too so it's it's kind of just an easier one to, to pop into so all right, uh, Ben. Anything else for folks before we uh, we wrap up this uh, this show? Um, I I think we might uh, get some British beer to enjoy during the game. So yes. uh, I know many of our uh, listeners and many of our guests as well uh, are connoisseurs of beer. And so uh, that could be a fun way for you to mix things up this weekend during the games as well. Agreed, agreed. But uh, however you enjoy this uh, London series, I hope you do enjoy it. If, if uh, For the novelty, if, if nothing else, or the baseball itself may not be very enjoyable. Um, but we hope you enjoy it. We hope you enjoyed this show. And we will see you on the next Cardinals All Day. Go Cardinals!